You, me, and HIFMB. Stories of science and the sea. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the next episode of the HIFMB podcast. As you can hear, unfortunately, like in the last episode, I'm still on the road, and uh, yeah, conference season is full, uh, back in full swing, and uh, yeah, so that's why the audio quality isn't that great. In the intro only, the uh, episode will be good quality again. So in this episode, I talked to Soli Levy, um, who works on a really interesting and, and very unexplored topic, which is emotions. So uh, emotions in environmental science and environmental management and, and that sort of stuff. So it's a really insightful new topic for, for me to explore and chat about. So I, I learned a ton in this episode and I'm sure you will as well. She's had an awesome life career and I'm sure she will continue to do so. Maybe even becoming a cheesemaker, as she says in the episode. So, um, yeah, without any further bad audio quality, I give you Soli Levy. Welcome to the next episode of the HIFMB podcast. And today I have Soli Levy, um, and coastal and marine scientist and a PhD student here. Hello. Hello, Jan. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Yeah, no worries. How is it? How's the PhD? How's, how's the PhD? <laughs> how's life? <laughs> oh God, that's a hard question. Um, I guess, I guess pretty good. I'm just, I'm at a stage now where I'm... I've gotten past trying to understand what my PhD actually is mm -hmm. and actually trying to do something with it, which is this theoretical framework. So I've been trying to work on that for the last couple of months. Yeah. Or I think it's working on me, really. But Is it? <laughs> oh, no. When did you join? Yeah. Oh, I started in September. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This year? Of yeah, uh, well, last year. 20, last year, 20, yes, of course. What year is it? 2021, yeah, September. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. All, the, all the corona years that we <laughs> Yeah, it's all the same, really. Yeah, Time exactly. isn't real anymore. <laughs> okay, can you give us a, a quick rundown of your project? Yeah, so I'm doing a PhD uh, trying to explore the relationship between emotion and marine governance, mm -hmm. which sounds kind of irrelevant at first, but if you start to pick it apart, you can see like the oceans have always been a really emotional place because so many people live by the oceans and work by the oceans. It's their livelihood. So many people have cultural and spiritual and emotional connections to the ocean. And so it's a really integral part of how we approach the oceans, mm -hmm. but it doesn't feature at all in any of our marine governance um, approaches. Yeah. So yeah, the project is just trying to see if there can be space for emotion in marine governance and how that can take shape and how the governance and emotion can actually influence each other. Do you know how you can, how you can reach that yet? Or, or have <laughs> <you> <laughs> I have a plan in place. Okay. It's very amb <laughs> kind of ambitious. So, so the, I have three overall objectives. Um, so because this area of study is relatively or completely new, my first objective is to create a theoretical framework that can support future and this um, projects that are looking at emotion and marine governance. Mm -hmm. So that's currently what I'm working on. And I'm taking inspiration from feminist theory, geographic theory, sound studies, like border studies, a bunch of different things and trying to mash them up together to create this new theory. Mm -hmm. And then after that, I'm going to do a couple different case studies to illustrate how emotions and marine governance interact like in the real world okay um and my study site will be in a particular marine area in northern ireland mm -hmm. slash the republic of ireland and after the case studies i'm going to take the theoretical framework 
simplify it because it's going to be kind of like theory and academic jargony. <laughs> and I'm just going to simplify that into this policy toolbox so that mm -hmm. um, hopefully decision makers or communities can pick up the toolbox and it can just have like simple steps of how to account for emotions and marine governance, how to make space for it. So, and then the case studies that are my empirical data will be a, just a way to illustrate whatever I put in the toolbox. Mm -hmm. yeah, so that's kind of the main plan for the next three years. Do you have a name for the, for the theoretical framework yet? Yes. <laughs> What's it called? It's just governance, emotion, mediation framework. So it's, it revolves around this concept of mediation, but I could talk about that for like two hours and sound like <laughs> the ravings of a lunatic. So I don't know if we, we, we go on it now, but <laughs> it's up to you. Okay. Um, yeah. I, I bet in Northern Ireland there's some mediation to be done there if it's like a, a place between the Republic of Ireland and... Yeah, yeah. So in Ireland, on the island of Ireland, there's these like marine areas called locks and mm -hmm. they're basically like the opposite of a peninsula they're a, a body of water that intrudes into the land and it's almost completely surrounded by land but it still retains its marine characteristics mm -hmm. and it's called a lock and there is a particular one called lock foil and it lies exactly on the border between the republic of ireland and northern ireland which is part of the united kingdom mm -hmm. and no one can or wants to decide who the body of water belongs to okay. um, and there's several competing claims like the UK claims that they own the entire lock up until the shoreline of the Republic of Ireland but yeah. then the Republic of Ireland is like no <laughs> that makes no sense so it's very very tense and there's a lot of historical cultural religious socioeconomic tensions very very high tensions running around that border so it is very emotional so that's yeah. kind of the prime prime place to to try to explore how did you pick it, it the, the the place um i'm i lived in ireland for the three years before i came to this job in september so mm -hmm. i was really familiar with the like coastal and marine i guess environment yeah. there okay and i had actually come to the hifmb with a completely different project proposal but at the end it really wasn't the right one. So mm -hmm. my supervisor, Kim, suggested that maybe I look for something closer to home. And as I was looking, I found this one place and I was like, oh my God, this is oh, I see. perfect. So there's going to be, yeah, that one case, the one study site and then a bunch of mini case studies yeah. around it to show the different aspects of emotion and marine governance Sweet. in one place. Yeah. So, so you first approached um, Kim with, with a proposal for a PhD and then yeah. she s said, oh no, there's an open position which would It was an suit. open position. I didn't come with a proposal because right. okay. I didn't, I, I applied to a couple different PhDs and wrote proposals and it was just so time consuming that yeah. I promised myself I would never apply to another one with writing a proposal <laughs> before they hire me. So, yeah, okay. so this one was just open and I went with like an idea of what I wanted to do, but it's completely mm -hmm. different from what I'm doing now. And yeah, at the end, I just realized that what I'm doing now fits is a better fit. To, yeah. to, to you yeah. personally? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's brilliant. <laughs> so yeah. the, your, your, first of all, your name, <laughs> where does it come from? Well, my name solely, like it comes from the Spanish for son, which uh -huh. is Sol. And the reason it's Spanish is because my dad's family comes from Turkey, but they're in the Turkish Jewish community. Mm -hmm. And that specific community has roots from the Jews that were exiled during the Spanish Inquisition, oh, like right. 500 years ago. So oh, okay. when they fleed, a bunch of them went to like 
Greece and Turkey, and they're known as like Sephardic Jews because they come from like the very very west of Europe. Mm -hmm. And then there's other like groups as well coming from other parts of Europe. But yeah, so that's the re <laughs> reason my my name is Spanish and also Jewish and Jewish Turkish. It's very specific. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And and the last name? And the last name is just a very. It's like the most. Jewish surname Levy. Levy, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, very biblical. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. Like throughout your CV, if you look at it, um, there's languages everywhere. You speak English, Greek, Turkish, French, German, Dutch, Hebrew, Spanish. I mean, how how did you pick these languages <laughs> up? And yeah, um, it's I, at this point, it's like <laughs> I almost feel embarrassment because like anytime I'm like at a party or something, and my friends would be like, "Hey, Sully, like tell everyone." how many languages you speak and it's like not again <laughs> <laughs> but so my mom is greek and my dad is turkish so i grew up in both countries so mm -hmm. they are my first two languages um turkish and greek mm -hmm. i just grew up with them and then i learned english when i was like nine or ten when we my family moved to america ah, okay in hence, 2004 hence the, hence the accent yeah unfortunately yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so in 2004 we moved there and i picked up english and i was going to Jewish schools there. I stayed in America for 10 years and I went to Jewish schools for most of that time. So we like Hebrew was a part of the curriculum. So mm -hmm. by the time I was 15, I was pretty fluent or completely fluent. But I mean, it's been so long now since I've used it that it's kind of hard to converse. But yeah, anytime I go back or, you know, I can it. I, it refreshes. How yeah. quickly does it come back? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I mean, pretty good. Like, it's still in there. Yeah. Like, it's still in there. It's just like when you have no one to, to speak with, it's hard. Yeah. Um, and then French I took in high school and college. Mm -hmm. And that was just a requirement. So I took it. And then German. But, but uh, sorry, um, yeah. French, f you, you became proficient just through school? Yeah, yeah. I took it for a couple of years. Okay. Um, and then I... German, I started, well... Before I start, like when I was really young, I was really into heavy metal and my favorite band was Rammstein. <laughs> and yes. I always wanted to learn German because of that. That was like the first reason. <laughs> um, and then I went to college and in my first year we had to do like a language credit. So I, I just started German for mm -hmm. a semester. And then after it's like a whole other story, but I left that college and I left America. And then I came to Germany for six months and I was at the Goethe Institute for three months and it where, was where is that in well it's like it's like a language german language institute oh, like all over the world right. but i was in bonn ah, okay when i and i went there for three months and it was just so intensive that i just i don't know picked it up <laughs> but also <laughs> but also it's really funny because like everyone says that like german grammar is, is really hard which it is but yeah. it's really really similar to greek grammar because greek also has all the cases and like the crazy like the oh, tenses nice. yeah, yeah so i just in my head yeah it wasn't as hard to wrap my head around that. Yeah. Yeah. And then just the rest. Well, I lived in Maastricht in the Netherlands mm -hmm. for my undergrad for three years. And I knew German by that time. And Dutch is like so similar. Yeah. So okay. Yeah. Right. I can, I can understand Dutch. I can understand Dutch when people speak it to me. But the accent is so hard that I just can't, can't yeah. speak it back. Yeah. Okay. And then Italian and, and Spanish I can understand most of because I can speak French, but I can't really speak oh and also portuguese portuguese oh that's not <laughs> even on the list <laughs> yeah it's just it's, yeah too much yeah but, <laughs> but yeah because I don't, i don't know i don't count the languages i can understand but not speak so yeah okay Wh yeah so that's where does portuguese come from just because of french because it's oh, all right. is like so similar that i can just when you know one you can know the others yeah well, I, i wish it was <laughs> Maybe. 
<laughs> like that for me i i took french in school for like yeah. i don't know four or five years but i i didn't use it so it just goes away yeah yeah i guess when you know a, a couple already it, yeah it's a, a bit easier to absorb yeah exactly <laughs> yes sweet yeah the, the, and so you on your cv head it kind of there's communication sticking out yeah uh, from the from yeah from the masses and <laughs> I, i bet those languages come in really handy when you when you communicate yeah they do i mean most of the communication that i've done is in we can talk about it later i worked for a sea turtle protection mm -hmm. society and my job there was a, as a public outreach field leader um, and i just pretty much gave like speeches and presentations at different venues every single night for like four months and mm -hmm. it was like in english and greek okay and yeah it was just and it was a really touristic area so it was also yeah handy to have the languages to talk to people yeah in case they were like german or french <laughs> talk to them about turtles yeah yeah sweet so that's where the communication mainly comes from yeah and also my other volunteer experience at the at this museum mm -hmm. and, yeah okay are you gonna is is uh northern ireland and and republic of ireland do they speak the same gaelic it's interesting so okay. it's it's one land ireland like is one it's an island it's one landmass yeah um but it's divided the majority of it is the republic of ireland which is its own country mm -hmm. or its own nation and then the northern part of it is six counties it belongs to the united kingdom yeah irish is spoken throughout but i mean the main language is english and irish is an official language but it's not spoken so prevalently anymore mm -hmm. it's kind of controversial in like the northern ireland because there's people who wants to keep speaking and there's people that don't want it to be spoken and okay. don't want it to be taught in school because of like historical reasons so it's yeah. it's a lot more contentious and controversial in mm. the north okay um, and not at all really in the south what's it like there it's it's just not contentious it's just spoken um yeah i mean it depends also because ireland was colonized and ruled by the british for 800 years so mm. the southwest and the northwest tips of ireland are where there was least british influence so they held on to a lot more of like um the indigenous irish yeah. culture and language okay um and less so when you come further east closer to the uk but yeah. i mean it's taught in schools but it's it from everyone that's told me it's taught so badly that like no one really yeah okay. it's just no one speaks it everyone okay. just speaks english yeah It's, uh, I I lived with a with a Welsh housemate in in England and he really spoke Welsh. I as yeah. I, I guess that's taught better than or or <sighs> yeah. It just it depends where you come from. Yeah, as okay. well because like if you come from like the northwest the southwest it's it's a lot more likely. Yeah, that you'll be fluent. In in Welsh. In in Irish. In Irish. Okay. Yeah. 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 It de depends a lot like where you come from and your okay. family if they speak it as well are you gonna pick it up for for your study <laughs> honestly it's the one language that's ever like foiled me yeah because all the other ones have been pretty easy to pick up but irish is like it's so different from anything else it's can you just, call it irish so, yeah yeah irish yeah, okay. it's right. it's different like scottish you can you say scottish gaelic yeah or gaelic but irish is just irish okay right yeah um it's it's so crazy yeah <laughs> 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 like there's so many silent letters and just all the vowels are pronounced differently it's just it's infuriating but yeah. i do want to i do want to learn it because it's so beautiful but it might take me my whole life you know? <laughs> <laughs> life's journey right yeah. there <laughs> okay so f um if we go through your cv so 
you you already mentioned you you kind of like started um in in the us a little bit but um then uh started your your bachelor's in maastricht was it no yeah maastricht university yeah, maastricht. so a very long story short i started <laughs> like i was in the us and i graduated from high school there and then i started a bachelor's degree in biology at mm. a university there um, but the whole time the whole 10 years we were living in america we were on a visa and not a green card and because of like a really minor like bureaucratic issue um our visa was revoked so mm -hmm. we just had to leave after 10 years of living there yeah. um so i just i had to leave my college which sucked because i loved it so much which, co uh, which um, college was it? it's really small it's called saint mary's college of maryland okay in maryland the yeah. state because i would yeah so i was doing biology because my dream was to be a marine biologist that was like my life stream <laughs> so i was gonna do that and then move on okay um but i had to leave that and then i just had to find a way to like start over mm -hmm. so i have some cousins in living near cologne so i stayed with them for six months while i was trying to figure out what to do yeah um, and where did your parents go Barbados. Oh, okay, right. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Why not? Because <laughs> um, my, my dad has, a, he has like a, a friend of his there who invited him like to be business partners. Okay. So they were there for like the last seven, eight years and they just moved to Greece mm -hmm. as one does. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I was in Cologne for six months trying to figure out my life and I, I mean, I needed to start university again. So I was looking in the area for degrees, but most of them were like in German or Dutch. So it was really hard to find a biology degree in English. Yeah. So I found this one degree in Maastricht University called European Public Health. And I was like, well, that sounds kind of like biology. It's close <laughs> enough. Um, and I went there really hopeful, but it turned out not to really be close to it at all, aside from like diseases. Mm. So I just... I really didn't enjoy it, to be honest, but I stuck with it because I didn't want to like quit and start over a third time. Yeah, okay. Um, I mean, the first time wasn't your fault, though. Yeah, but yeah, but I just, I had, I felt like I already lost like a year and a half, so I didn't want to okay. start over again. Yeah. Yeah, and then in the meantime, during that public health degree, mm -hmm. I really wanted to come back to like marine science afterwards because like it's so irrelevant that I was trying to find summer projects to work on that would make my background more relevant mm -hmm. so i found this uh sea turtle protection society in greece called archelon oh, and right. yes. so i volunteered there for a year and then the next year they called me back to be a public awareness uh -huh. leader so that's why i did that are they an ngo yeah or, yeah okay right yeah and then during my second year there i met an irish guy mm -hmm. who was a volunteer and then we just got together and i Just after that finished, I went to Ireland because why not? Okay, right. Um, and then after, after, after sorry, after after, after, the after my bachelor's finished, I see. Okay, um, right. Then I went to Ireland, and that relationship didn't work out, but I liked it so much that I stayed, and <laughs> that's where I applied for my masters. Okay. Um, and I had applied for a ma um, marine biology and coastal and marine management, but I didn't get accepted into the marine biology one. Ah. So I just did because my background wasn't relevant yeah. enough yes. and it was highly competitive. So that's how I ended up in coastal and marine management, which then led me here. So that's mm -hmm. a very roundabout description of but would that you, story. Would you still consider yourself, well, or you wouldn't consider yourself a, a marine biologist, but... I mean, no, I would say no. marine scientist at this point, even though marine biology is like my favorite thing it is okay. <laughs> really honestly it is um like i wish i could just study seaweed and fish and <laughs> dive all day i love seaweed so much really uh, yeah i love it so much i would still call myself a marine scientist but 
yeah, I'm not really doing anything with biology right now. So yeah, it's more it's more broad to just say marine science. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> But are you? Uh, I, I mean, um, you've ended up in a place where you seem you seem happy with it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, at the end of the day, it's still marine science, and I mean, yeah. Yeah. I still do like marine biology related. Yeah, I mean, I mean, reading and stuff uh, on the side. So I mean, it's still the same environment, yeah. which I'm happy about. Yeah. yeah. And such a unique perspective <laughs> with with um, that that uh, uh, emotions angle and and. Yeah, I mean, it's new to me as well because like my whole background is more like natural sciences, like biology, mm -hmm. health. Um, even the coastal and marine management was very heavy on like the coastal processes, physical sedimentary transport whatever yeah <laughs> <laughs> so it's very on the natural sciences side so this is also my first foray into social sciences yeah okay um, it's cool it's cool having both perspectives yeah i feel it's it's really handy because like before i started if someone had told me about like emotions and marine governance i would have been like like <laughs> but now i kind of I, i see like but it's handy to see both sides because there are so many people that are skeptic skeptical yeah. of of the reason we should have emotions at all So it really helps me to kind of justify in my head why it actually is important. So it mm. is really handy to have that and, and skeptical side to it. W what do you say to your skeptical side? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, now, I mean, like, I know yeah. now that it's important. But, like, I think the the important thing to stress is that no matter if you're a social or natural scientist, we all work with um, data and science that eventually is going to impact people in the environment and people are emotional so mm -hmm. like you can't really escape at some point in your research process um you can't really escape emotion yeah exactly <laughs> I, that's, i i guess it diffuses into every into yeah. every proposal we write yeah. and and every review we do and, yeah because yeah. also like aside from like the end point of reaching people even the research process itself is so emotional like it drives you crazy or like you're really passionate about it or you're you know frustrated like there's so many emotions tied mm. up with that that do influence research yeah do you think you can um from getting to that theoretical framework i forgot the name now um the probably better <laughs> <laughs> the ah oh, damn it the emotion no i no i can't remember um the do, do you think from that theoretical framework you you can arrive at that toolbox and be and be the the policy toolbox sorry and be um happy with with the result straight off the bat or or I, i i just wonder what that process will look like how, how, how will you arrive from one to the other yeah i mean that's a, that's a good question <laughs> yeah i mean again right now everything i'm doing is very very like theoretical and abstract and mm -hmm. it's really challenging but once that's finished that's going to guide the empirical um portion of the project which is going to be these case studies yeah um and then oh right i yeah. just yes yeah, so i'm going to like combine those and just simplify simplify everything um into just here's a five-step process of yeah, nice. where emotions and governance intersect here is case studies of how this works in the real world like this should yeah. be super so, handy yeah i mean i guess simplifying also is is really hard to do but mm -hmm. yeah i i think i have so i have some sort of vision yeah <laughs> yeah but we'll see maybe we can talk again in three years exactly yeah definitely <laughs> yeah um and so in your from Your master's project in in Cork, right? Yeah. In in uh, Ireland. Yeah. Uh, you f f first off, you uh, achieved a first class honors in the dissertation, which is nice. <laughs> so yeah, congrats. Thank and, you. And the, your your dissertation title was mapping community perceptions of 
port developments in Cork Harbor. Yeah. Um, and, and did that kind of set the stage with the perceptions for the emotions coming after? Or I think, I think in a way, yes, because before that I had like no experience with community perceptions at all. But when mm -hmm. it came time to do our master's project, I was really trying to combine my three areas of interest, which was like communication slash community and public outreach. Mm -hmm. And then I fell in love with um, GIS during <laughs> Did you? the master. I, I loved it. So I was trying to, <laughs> those two. And then also um, ports. I like yeah. ports. ports. So I was trying to, right. yeah, I was trying to combine those three in some way. And that is what I came up with. And in the region where I was living in Cork Harbor, there's a lot of, There's the port of Cork and there's a lot of redevelopments going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, whether it's just a deep water cruise terminal or um, renovating port facilities mm -hmm. or creating um, recreational areas, these all impact a lot of different communities around the harbor. So I just went there and I asked people, you know, their perceptions about the redevelopments, positive, negative, neutral, yeah. unknown. And then I put all of those in a map to see whether there would be areas of like conflict um, or or harmony and how like just try and put like a spatial element and to see how people feel about things and where nice and that's yeah that's <laughs> really cool I've, i've got so many questions now so f first first of all about the wording um what's the difference between port and harbor um good question well like a harbor can also be like a natural Oh, harbor like Sydney Harbor and right, Cork okay. prides itself on being the second largest natural harbor beside behind Sydney. Ah, um, okay. So a harbor can be it doesn't have to be a port. I think a port can be more like commercial mm -hmm. um, for the maritime industry. And I guess it can also be recreational, but more for like trade and economic reasons, okay. I would say a port. And then a harbor is just, you know an area with but this is probably i'm not a harbor expert so yeah, i'm probably yeah. not on the dot but okay yeah but what is it about about ports and or harbor slash um <laughs> that that um captures your your yeah emotions? i mean i'm a fourth generation marine person okay. so like the last what, what does that like mean? i'll tell you so like 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 my dad and my grandma, his mother, and my grandma's father, my great-grandfather, they mm -hmm. were all um, involved in, like, the maritime industry. Oh, I see. And they right. started in, like, the sail-making and rope-making business in Turkey. Mm -hmm. And then my dad branched out to, like, maritime procurement for, like, procuring, like, boats for coast guards and ports nice. um, for the last couple of years. And I, I worked with him for a couple of years on that. So mm -hmm. that's, I guess, where that interest came from. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. How, how young were you when you worked with him? Um, I mean, I started maybe when I, I don't know, when I was a teenager, because yeah. I was always doing, like, translations for both my parents, for like, <laughs> between either, like, English or in Greek or, like, English and Turkish. Yeah. So for my dad, it was always, like, technical and administrative and like commercial translations for for documents because he works very closely with turkey and like the u.s and the caribbean yeah okay. so i would always like be translating turkish documents into english which is a horrible job <laughs> <laughs> um yes yeah, so i was doing that for years and then when the lockdown the first mm -hmm. lockdown happened when the pandemic started i had just gone to visit my parents and it happened so i ended up staying with them for four months and oh, nice. during that time i just worked more intensively with my dad and like we worked on like tenders for boats and back in greece or in, in, in barbados in barbados oh yes <laughs> yeah 
Okay, and the third thing that you used in that, so um, a mixed method to PPGIS approach, yeah. what is that? Public participatory geographic information systems. Yeah. So it's like GIS, which is like a geospatial like visualization technology. Uh -huh. So pretty much just making maps software. And, yeah. Um, and the public participatory is this element which involves um, working with research participants to create maps. So mm. like I would be asking them like, how do you feel about this port development? Um, where does it affect you? Where do you feel positively or negatively? And then putting those answers into a map that they make mm -hmm. and then carrying that over into the software and nice. Yeah. Making maps. And you love making maps. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's just, I feel like it, it's just so fun and it's such a creative part of science. I feel, cause I don't know in my masters, at least a lot of what we did was like kind of just really intense mm -hmm. academic work and that was kind of the one outlet of creativity yeah and it's really funny because in like real life i suck at reading maps i just can't read a map <laughs> like i if i'm if i don't know where to go I, like if i'm i just get lost so easily and it's really really hard for me to read a map but i Wait. like making them <laughs> That's yeah brilliant. i guess it's two completely different skill sets yeah <laughs> <laughs> Let lends itself nicely. Yeah. And, and when did you make the, the decision during your master's to make a, uh, to have a PhD, to do a PhD or? I don't know. I think after I was thinking, I really didn't want to do one actually. I just, because yeah. okay. when I was working at that sea turtle organization, it was like doing stuff with my hands, like the conservation. It was like, and, mm -hmm. and the results were like right in front of my eyes. And it was so rewarding because like you did, you protected the nests in June and in August the nests would hatch and it was like, oh my God, I like, yeah. I did, I helped do that and it was amazing and rewarding. So I kind of wanted to go into a more hands-on um, career, mm -hmm. I guess. And I really didn't want to do a PhD and be stuck in a boring academic job. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> no, then, no, 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 that's fine. But then the lockdown happened and I was just applying for jobs and I got like a remote nine-month research assistant position mm -hmm. and during that I just started liking it more and I just one day got it into my head that I wanted to do a PhD and I'm one of those people it's like once it's in my head I, I just have to do it yeah um so that's brilliant just, like the there's like not like one main reason I just I just thought of doing it and yeah, yeah then I just had to because I'm stubborn because <laughs> <laughs> I'm stubborn yeah, and, and that's like the reason the, the same thing that made you finish that public health degree stubbornness stubbornness yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sweet about that turtle thing. So, um, yeah. or about your your various positions. Like, you've you've worked as a di uh, as a dive master as well in Greece. Yeah. 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 Did you enjoy so, that? So, yeah, it was really really nice. Yeah. Um, because so like my eternal life's dream from when I was a child was like to be a mermaid. And a mermaid. <laughs> yeah, it's like my yeah. Obviously, that's not gonna happen. But I always wanted to be a mermaid. Yeah. Um, and so I went for a scuba diving lesson in like 2013 just mm -hmm. like as a trial and i just remember so clearly like the first breath i ever took underwater was like <gasps> like a gasp of amazement i was like i yeah. can finally do it yeah i had the same <laughs> um, which was like it's just my life's dream to breathe underwater so i just instantly within like the first two seconds i just fell in love That's so nice. um and i just i ended up um i guess working through the the different scuba courses that Patty offers. Yeah. And then I, I reached Dive Master and it, it was really, really fun. Um, but then I was living in America and then Ireland and the water there is very, very cold mm -hmm. and it's also a very expensive hobby as well. So I, I haven't really done it in recent times, but it's like 
my favorite place to be is, is underwater. underwater. Yeah. yeah, brilliant. What's <laughs> yeah. what's diving in in Greece like? Where was it, by the way? The it's in um, it's on an island in the Cyclades Island group called Sifnos. Okay. That's where my grandparents have like a, a house. Like, uh-huh. go there like once a year almost. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, it's really cool. It's very different. Um, it's really well. It's sort of cold. Mm-hmm. I guess it's the well, a- a- Aegean. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. It's the Aegean. Um, well, I guess it's not so cold, but it's like the the outside temperature is like forty degrees. So when you go into the water, yeah. it's like twenty two. Then you just scream, even though it's yeah. it's not really cold. And it's mostly just a lot of stones and like mm-hmm. algae covered stones and like a lot of sand. It's very very sandy at the bottom, and there's very there's a lot of sponges, yeah. crustaceans. Like it's not very bright, mm-hmm. but it's it's very beautiful. A lot of wrecks as well. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I've only dived in in Turkey and dove, divin. I don't know. I <laughs> went diving. Yeah, I went diving in, uh, went diving in Turkey, and it was exactly like you describe it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Brilliant. And and do you wear a hood in in twenty two no. degrees water? No. no, no, no okay. No. Yeah. yeah, I hate wearing hood. Um. Okay. And then the turtle uh, protection, um, job. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um. Archelon. 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 Okay. It comes from, like, there's like a prehistoric giant turtle in like that lived like hundreds oh, of millions yes. of years ago, and it was like the first yeah, or okay. biggest sea turtle. Okay. And the scientific name of it is Archelon, so they named ah, okay, it yeah. after that. I've heard about that. Okay. Yeah. What? So and and like like you said, so there was some uh, nest protection. What's what's the what's the? Can you give us a rundown of what the job entails? Yeah. 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 So. Yeah. It's kind of different because the first year I went, it was just volunteering. So they put you to all the different jobs. And the main duty is monitoring. Um, and what that entails is getting up really, really early, like between 4 and 6 a.m. And going to a really secluded beach where I was based. It was like the southwest coast of Greece, which is like extremely remote. Mm-hmm. And it's a really high density of turtle nesting sites yeah um, what, what species is it loggerhead turtle oh right okay. yeah they're the only ones that nest and then the green turtle also comes to feed but mm-hmm. not we're very rarely nest but okay. it was mainly loggerhead turtles and yeah so the main duty was monitoring so you'd get up go to the beach and pretty much walk from one end to the other and if you came across any nests what you would do is first you identify where the egg chamber is mm-hmm. and you can do that like once you get enough experience you can kind of tell like a turtle's nest, when you first look at it, kind of looks like a comma. Mm-hmm. And you can tell where she's laid her eggs by these little flipper marks um, uh, yeah. right where she's laid her eggs. And she does this thing called camouflaging, which like she scoops sand and throws it behind her mm-hmm. to, I guess, make the nest not so easily visible. Mm-hmm. So what we would do is like dig a little bit and then you like poke your finger in and then it just there's a bit of leeway. Yeah. And once you can feel your finger go through then you can feel where the egg chamber is. Oh, wow. And so we don't disturb the eggs Mm -hmm. at that point. Just want to know where the eggs are actually located. And then we put this metal grate on top Mm -hmm. and then drive like wooden stakes around it. Mm -hmm. And actually just as a, I guess, a note is there's a lot of different sea turtle conservation projects around the world and their protection measures depend on the threats that the turtles face in the specific area yeah so in some areas there's like a lot of people there it's very touristy so they have different measures but this area particularly is really remote and there's barely any people mm-hmm. but the biggest threat was predation by foxes yeah or okay like jackals and mm-hmm. dogs so you have jackals in in greece yeah golden jackals they're oh, not right. as they're not as 
I don't know, frequent. Yeah. They're, they're not very pop. I don't know, popular. <laughs> uh, uh, abundant. But, but yeah, abundant, <laughs> yeah. exactly. But a lot of foxes and dogs. Uh-huh. So, yeah, we would put this metal grate and then driving the wooden stakes around it meant that no one or none of the animals or it made it harder for animals to dig into the nest and mm. eat the eggs. Um, and then we would just leave those um, in June. They would nest in June. And then in August, they hatch. And mm. that has its own set of problems because there's some areas that have a lot of like restaurants and hotels with like lights in the night mm-hmm. and when oh, yeah. the hatchlings when they hatch normally they would follow the light of the moon into the sea but mm-hmm. when there's a brighter source of light like behind them on the street or in the hotel they would just follow the brightest light yeah. so we would put like what are those things called that are like beach mats i guess like straw oh yeah, yeah straw yeah. beach mats we would like sew them together or staple them together and make like a sort of corridor mm-hmm like surrounding the nest to block out the light so that it would like lead the hatchlings towards the sea. Yeah. And so they wouldn't turn around and go to the lights of oh, the hotel, okay. which was really fun. And just... And it worked. Yeah, 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 for the most part, yeah. And just like seeing a nest hatch is just so emotional. Yeah, I like, bet. Like there's so many. There's like 80 to 100 that come out and they just run towards the sea and <laughs> it just feels like you're witnessing something like primal. Yeah. Like it's such a privilege to actually <laughs> to witness that. It's it's amazing. Yeah, and it's really really well. yeah, yeah, and it's really hard like physical work, but it's it's really it's so rewarding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then aside from the actual monitoring and conservation of the nest, there was like public public outreach yeah. activities as well, mm-hmm. also for tourists and for local communities because a lot of the time there's like tensions between the NGOs activities and local communities like for example like because they need to make money as well but you can't just go and tell them like turn off your lights at night so a lot of it was like trying to liaise between the organization and the communities and so that they can like help each other instead of yeah yeah were you were you part of that liaising um not really my first year but yeah then my second year they called me back to be a um, public awareness field leader Mm -hmm. because i was one of the few volunteers that was a Greek that spoke Greek because most of the oh, people okay. that come are like international from yeah. like the UK or Ireland or France mm-hmm. yeah so because I spoke Greek I could talk to like both the tourists and the local communities and that was that was my main role my second year yeah where yeah. was this by the way in, in the south well the first year was like the southwest coast of Greece in okay. a place called Kiparisia and then the second one the second year was like the mid west coast okay um i don't know if you've seen a pic a map of greece but mm, well, it, like the south once. part of it has like fingers so it was like okay. on the second finger of it okay. <laughs> yeah. what's yeah. it called yithio okay. is the, the name of the town okay. it's really small but yeah and where are you from in greece uh, well, close to athens yeah you, but, but but you consider yourself greek or? well like half turkish half greek half, yeah okay right. <laughs> like i was born in istanbul ah, okay. and i lived there for the first seven years of my life okay yeah, but my family is from both countries. So yeah, okay. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you have passports from both? No, well, no, I just have a Greek one. It's it's much harder to travel with a Turkish passport than mm-hmm. it is with a Greek one. And with a Greek one, it's part of the EU. So it's, yeah, I just travel more easily. <laughs> yep, no, it makes total sense. <laughs> yeah. To me, anyway. Yeah, but I do have like a Turkish identity card, but that's more like if I want to get into a club. Yeah. They want to <laughs> see my age, which they don't ask me anymore. <laughs> but when they wanted to ask my age. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. Okay, and then the the the, 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 the sorry the um what you did during the during your master's project or, yeah. or aside from your master's project this knowledge gatherer that was the job I had right after well 
like a year after my master's project. Oh, oh right. Okay. That was this nine month um, research assistant position. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. They basically saw my master's project about mapping community perceptions and they, they wanted me to do something really similar yeah. for the southwest of Ireland and mm-hmm. there's a county called Kerry and there's a peninsula in Kerry called the Evera Peninsula mm-hmm. um, and the project is based there and they wanted me to do like a baseline survey of people's knowledge of and interests in the environment so I made like an online survey yeah. asking like where do you like to go what recreational activities do you like to do what species do you know of um, what flora and fauna um, or what particular things do you want to know more about? And then at the end of that, there was a lot of data and then that could then be used by the project to, I guess, direct their future activities based on what people were interested in. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. think... <laughs> I it think... was totally desk-based though because it was also lockdown. So it was just... Oh, I just I get, worked yeah. from home the whole time. Of course, yes. Yeah. Uh, October 2020, yeah, just yeah. saw that. Yeah. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah, but uh, your your survey uh, knowledge has been instrumental for, for my work as well because uh, two of the... Uh, yeah. GSS students I work with, uh, Marilyn and Valeria, they are currently ca- crafting a survey and, and uh, we've all never done it. And uh, yeah, you, yes. you, you, you're helping. <laughs> happy I could help. I was worried. I'm like, not like the survey expert, but I was happy I could help. Absolutely, you yeah. did. Thank you. Um, okay. And so for now, you're doing the PhD uh, since last year, 2021. Yeah. Um, and then it's until 2024. Or it's three years three years okay three years but maybe there's a, a covid extension but i'm not Ma- counting on that I th- i'm just gonna pretend like it's just three years right okay yeah try to do everything then smart yeah <laughs> how long would the covid extension be do you know i think six months but okay yeah i'm just gonna pretend like that doesn't exist okay <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. and what's after do you want to pursue your dream of, of marine biology or it's the big question yeah it's a big question because <laughs> part of me wants to continue in academia maybe as a postdoc part of me wants to become like a a cheese maker <laughs> um, i i love i would love to make cheese okay. um, or work at a natural history museum um uh-huh. for like the next 50 years because i just i love spouting like nature facts at people mm-hmm. and that's like the perfect job to do i just i really don't know like yeah. i'm still kind of ambivalent about staying in academia because there's parts of it i really like and there's parts of it that are kind of hard absolutely so <laughs> Yeah, like I do, I love the, I really love the research aspect of it. I love the research process, but there's a lot of like peripheral things like the meetings and Mm -hmm. the conferences and like the whole like pressure to publish papers, which is kind of, I don't know if that's what I want to do my entire life. Yeah, okay. Uh, But we'll see. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Or maybe I'll be a baker because I love. (laughs) Baker, cheesemaker. Yeah, Yeah, something. (laughs) All of the above. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you've had a super exciting life, and I think there's 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 more exciting <laughs> stuff to come. Um, yeah. I'm excited to hear about it later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll catch up in the ne- Abs- next podcast. Exactly. We'll or who knows? Maybe you'll come to my bakery. Yes. <laughs> have some have some baked goods with cheese in them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Okay, so this is this would mark the end of the podcast. Do you have anything you want to add, or anything we didn't cover? Um, no. Just thank you so much for yeah. giving me a chance to talk about myself absolutely <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, i really enjoyed it yeah thank you so much cool me too thanks yeah. <laughs> bye everyone cool. bye bye want to dive deeper surf over to hifmb.de or follow us on twitter at hifmb underscore ol